Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Brian Foster on Kardak Radio, presenting the program Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. Hello, this is Brian Foster again, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Central, and all the time zones across the world. We are broadcasting live on, on streaming on our Facebook group, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. Again, that group, Facebook group is Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. We would love to have you join us every Sunday afternoon or night, depending on your time zone, or morning, wherever, and come and comment as we talk about Spiritism. My website is nwspiritism.com. Again, that is NW, as in Northwest. I live in uh, Bainbridge Island up near Seattle. So again, it's nwspiritism.com. Again, the Facebook group is Spiritism, the Spirit World Around Us. And I recommend for everyone to go to that Facebook group. And also, there's uh, in the file section, there is a free download of my book, Spiritism 101, Third Revelation. It's 99 cents if you want on Kindle, uh, and I forgot what it is on paperback, 599 or something like that. Give me 699. Very short, you know, uh, short read. It's just an introduction to Spiritism, so it'll give you uh, a good idea and gives you references to other other material you can read about Spiritism, which is just a a doctrine, not a religion. It, it's, and we're going to get into this today, and it's going to be very exciting. Again, let me just write this down here. So, if you would, the Facebook group is Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. Join that group, and you will be into a whole new world. You will. You will understand who we are, why we are here, why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, and that we are immortal souls who are just on a path of learning. It is simple as that. And again, if you so tonight our topic is our topic is the gospel, and it's the book, right? It's a book by Alan Kardec, and I'll explain it to everybody in one minute. The Gospel According to Spiritism. So let me give you some background. This is the book we are we are um, going to discuss today, and it is it is a marvelous book. And let me tell you about Alan Kardec. So Alan Kardec brought Spiritism to us in the 1850s. It is what Spiritism calls it, the, the Spiritist calls it the third revelation. The first revelation is from Moses, the second is from Jesus, and the third is from um, Alan Kardec, as promised by the Spirit of Truth. Now, if you in the book, let me show you the book, The Gospel According to Spiritism. There's a picture of Alan Kardec right there. In fact, on my website, um, let me write that down, on my website, nwspiritism.com you can you can sh- click on his picture Alan Kardec's picture 
and you will go to where the bookstore is. You can buy this book. So that's right on that website. You go to the top right. There's a picture of Alan Kardec. You go to the EDSEI bookstore, the United States version. They have a lot of other books by Chico Xavier and others in that bookstore. So I would recommend everyone um, reading, uh, going to that bookstore and looking more about Spiritus. And then there's, of course, wonderful books by Chico Xavier. Oh, my heavens. Uh, fantastic. Ivan uh, Piera. Again, Devaldo Franco. Um, there's just wonderful books. And there's a lot of books. In fact, all the books. And let me just tell you this the last thing before I start to talk, talk about the book. All of Alan Kardec's books, you can find in PDF form. They don't cost you anything. Just look up Alan Kardec, K-A-R-D-E-C, and you will find on the web all sorts of places. That's how I found Spiritism. I, I, I searched and searched for answers that I've been looking for since I had uh, experiences that showed my predestination that came true, which is almost impossible. Well, I don't say completely, but almost impossible for those things to happen in that specific order. Um, that's how I found it. And I read his books on PDF, and then from there on I found Spiritism. So please... Uh, please look him up. He's, he's wonderful. So now, why why did you do this book? Right? So, in the New Testament, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to my Father, and he will send you another Consoler, so that he may remain with you forever, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, But as for you, you will know him because he will remain with you and will be among you. But the Consoler, who is the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will enable you to remember everything I have said to you. So the Spirit of Truth is what was was organized for uh, and sent to Alan Kardec. Now, Alan Kardec wrote this book, and his, actually, the Spirit's book was his first book. I recommend everyone read the Spirit's book. This is kind of uh, the second book I would recommend everyone to read is The Gospel According to Spiritism. But tonight we're talking about The Gospel According to Spiritism. So, how did Alan Kardec get this book? Was he a, was he a medium that wrote these things down? No, he was, he was of course, for all inspiration medium. But he was not a medium inside the table. It wasn't like Chico Xavier, who had spirits behind him and around him, and he would psychograph the book. No, that was not Alan Kardec. He organized the book. And what he did, what he did, this is in his own, what he did is he, he went to different mediums in different geographical locations. France, Germany, different nations, different mediums, asked the same type of questions. And if he got similar answers, only then would he write those down in the book. Right in the spirits book. Now, this is what he says. This is a quote from Alan and Kardec in his book, The Gospel According to Spiritism. Because if the spirits who have revealed it had manifested it to only one person, nothing would guarantee its origin. For it would be necessary to believe the word who ever stated that he or she had received their teachings. Admitting perfect sincerity on his or her part would at most convince a circle of acquaintances. He or she would have followers, but would never succeed in rallying everyone. And this, my friends, is really what sets us apart, sets spiritism apart from other messages, right? Now, in the Bible, of course, there are many spirits that come and and talk to to many different prophets. And that is a collection 
uh, of of uh, different spirits talking to different people. And again, the same thing is true of spiritism. And in fact, spiritism is also called Christian spiritism because we all recognize Jesus as our Savior, our Lord, the governor of this planet. And in fact, spiritism tells us that Buddha, Socrates, Lao Tzu, Confucius were all sent as emissaries from the spirit world to teach us, to teach us how to behave, how to ascend. You notice in almost all religions, there's a there's something like the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's not because they copied each other. It's because the message was sent from the same, the same location, the same headwaters. It started from the spirit world and came to us through different people. And that's what the spirit of truth in the New Testament said, you cannot receive me now. Well, because spiritism tells us we only get the messages that we are able to understand, Right? If aliens came down and said, okay, here, here's the semantics for a uh, time travel machine, and yet we, we wouldn't understand it, right? Who knows what kind of you know, advanced uh, you know, microelectronics it would take. We have no clue. We, we could not understand. The same thing with, with Jesus Christ and, and the spirits around him when they come and talk to us is the fact that they can only tell us culturally what we're ready for and technology what we're ready for. This is why 1850s are brought spiritism, and this is why more and more information is coming to us all the time. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, so then he takes he takes the concept further and says the doctrine must be the work of many spirits, right? So because he wants it, he doesn't want just one. He doesn't want to depend on just one medium. He wants to make sure that that different mediums heard the same thing, who do not know anything about each other. Which just shows you what a, uh, a, a brilliant uh, man he was. And he understood that like humans, spirits are of different capabilities and levels. He, and hence, to tap into the collective knowledge of the spirit world, a variety of spirits with their own spheres of expertise must be utilized to ensure the correctness of the doctrine. And Alan Kardec lays out his logic. This is what he said. It is known that as a consequence of the differences that exist in their capabilities, spirits are far from being in possession of the whole truth individually, that it is not given to all to grasp certain mysteries, that knowledge is proportional to their purification, that ordinary spirits do not know any more than humans, and even less than some amongst them. As amongst the latter, there are presumptions and pseudo-learned spirits who think they know what they in fact do not, and theorizers who take their own ideas for the truth. In short, that spirits of the highest order, those who are completely dematerialized, are only the ones divested of earthly ideas and prejudices. And when he said dematerialized, is in, in other books that came uh, after, after Alan Kardec's book, is the higher the spirit, the more energy and less matter. This is why when people have their NDEs or visions, they see bright lights, right? They see, they see a high angel. So what, what that bright light means is the brighter a spirit, the more they reflect the love in the atmosphere. And to our eyes, it's bright because we're not on that level. Now, if you were on the same level as that, as that bright angel, that vision that you saw, it would look like a normal person because you have the same, you are in a higher level, you exist in a higher level of energy. And that explains why a lot of people, when they have like near-death experiences, they'll see some spirits, like their Uncle Bob, who drank and smoked and had a great time here on Earth. He looked just normal to him. But 
another Heisberg didn't know who that was. That could have been that could have been Ant something, but they may not have recognized because they just saw this fuzzy outline and and kind of this hint of a face, and uh, they couldn't say who it was because it was a higher level. So I hope that explains that. So let's get back to the Gospel according to Spiritism, a wonderful book. Now, so lastly, so he used various numbers of mediums and spirits, and he applies the rule of concordance. So different spirits working with independent mediums must illustrate similar answers to the same question. Alan Kardec spells it out. The only true guarantee for spirits' teaching is in the overall agreement amongst revelations made spontaneously through a large number of mediums unknown to one another in several places. And that above is the basis of all of Alan Kardec's book, multiple sources of revelations and similarity between messages is the cornerstone of spiritism. But so stands on a solid foundation, stands on a bedrock, not the ideas of one person or one spirit, but, spirit, but the accumulation work of many on both sides of the veil, on our side and on the other side, those living and those ill, in, those in the spirit world. And Alan Kardec, he describes the ultimate test of the doctrine, the, re, the ability to withstand contradiction. The, universe, the universal test is a guarantee for the future unity of spiritism and will annul all contradictory theories. It is at this universal test that in the future the criterion of truth will be sought. So, for up to the present day, 160 years ago, the world has seen many confirmations of the spirit of the doctrine. And what arguments that have been against spiritism is mainly against the entire concept of learning from spirits. Not the central message about the need for love and charity, fraternity, right? Kindness in your heart and honesty. That's not to say, spiritism tells us, the one thing that Alan Kardec wanted to make sure is that all the books he read, that's just a, a point in time. Spiritism is continually bringing us more and more information. Uh, Leon Denis, uh, uh, Chico Xavier, Francisco C. Xavier. If you want to look him up, he wrote a great series of books, uh, all Andre Louis series of books. Uh, you'll find links to him on my on my blog site too. In fact, a lot of the articles I refer to Chico's books almost all the time. Um, just wonderful books. I can't impress you upon enough on how important it is. Now, everything I just read to you, I think most of it was all from the. Uh, the Gospel Accord and Spirit System. So what is the Gospel Accord and Spirit System? Well, the Gospel Accord and Spirit System tells us many things about what the parables really meant in the New Testament. Now, I don't know about you, but there's lots, lots of, of words in there that I did not understand, right? I mean, we said, well, yeah, I think I understand this, right? So I'm not quite sure. So one of the things he said is... Let me get to this right page here, because this is very interesting. It's blessed are the meek and the peace-loving. So, now, when you when he said the the uh, the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, isn't did did not you say to yourself like, well, I don't know, how can the meek inherit the earth? To us, when I when when we hear meek, we see as passive, right? We see as passive. We see as non-confrontational. We see as someone that can just be bullied easily, right? That's not what was meant. So, 
And this is, you know, a lot they say is these things are, are problems of trans- translation. So it really means moderation, docility, affability, and patience. So it's very different, right? It's, it's being civilized. What he meant by, by meek is being civilized. Right, and that doesn't mean you can't focus. Right, there's the whole thing is is you shouldn't, in especially you should not ever lose your temper and just spout words and and, and be angry. Right, because that unleashes primitive emotions. But what you can do is focus. Right, be indignant, indignant. Focus your energy. You you will do this because whatever. Right, you will, you can be indignant. That. Is what he means. That type of person that controls themselves will inherit the earth. Control themselves with equanimity, with calmness, but yet still get things done. And that's not meek to us, right? It's someone who has calm authority. And I think that's and this is what it says here in the book. It's just is blessed for the meek, so they shall possess the earth. And that's what he said. He said, by these words, Jesus means that up to now, all the things of the earth have been monopolized by aggressive persons to the harm of those who are meek and peace-loving. And that the latter often lack the necessities while the former have everything else. He promises that justice will be re-rendered to the meek and peace-loving on earth, for they shall be called the children of God. And to back this up, there's this great um, chapter in the book, uh, Jesus in the Home, a wonderful book. And in, in, it's all about what the apostles, when they discuss with Jesus, what do these things mean? And the apostles, when Jesus said, let the, the meek shall inherit the earth, uh, they went back in Peter's house, and, and they were all saying, well, how could the meek inherit the earth, right? After all, if only evil was strong and aggressive, how could, how could good ever emerge victorious? And so what happened is, Jesus let them all call, calm down, and he answered, Of course you are mistaken. I didn't praise laziness, which hides behind the mask of humility, nor cowardliness, which dons the appearance of prudence in order to better accommodate itself to human conveniences. Individuals who become attached to such artifices will greatly suffer the spiritual measures that the world uses to reform torturous and indecisive characters. Actually, I was praising the courtesy that we all owe one another. Blessed are the mild manner who are able to use their constructive energy in a gesture of kindness in a word of understanding. Blessed are the children of balance and kindness who learn how to deny evil without insulting ignorant neighbors who request it without knowing that they are asking for. And blessed are those who repeat the same lesson a thousand times over without boasting about it so their neighbor may feel influence of their action. So, Again, what was said in the, in the Gospel of our Spiritualism was backed up in the book, Jesus in the Home. So, now let's take another example. And these are, uh, these are, I can't, so here, many are called, but few are chosen. Now, what does that mean? Many are called, but few are chosen. Well, I, that one's pretty understandable. And they talked about the parable of the, of the wedding feast, where the kingdom of heaven is like a, uh, a king who was wanting to give his son a wedding feast, sent his servants to call on those whom he invited. And, and remember that they invited people and they didn't, they didn't come. And then, then he went and the others asked. He, he actually, and actually, when he invited his servants out, the people he invited, the rich people, they killed the servants. 
And then he said, okay, so go out and invite those who aren't worried, worthy about it. And he went into the streets and gathered all those whom they met, both good and bad, in the wedding field with all the people who were at the table. So, and the king then entered to see those who were at the table, noticing a man who was not wearing a wedding garment. He said, my friend, why have you come here in a wedding garment? And the man remained silent, and the king told the servants, bind his hands and feet and cast them to outer darkness there. Shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. That's in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. So, in the gospel according to spiritualism, they say disbelievers smile at the seemingly childish, naive parable because they cannot understand why so many problems could arise regarding a feast, and even less why the invitees would extend their resistance to the point of massacring those sent by the master of the house. Parables, they say, are of course figurative, but even so, they shouldn't go beyond the limits of possibility. So, and this is, I'm quoting from the Gospel According to Spiritism. So the same can be said about the all allegories as well as the most ingenious fables if one does not remove the outer covering in order to find their hidden meaning. Jesus composed his with the commonest habit of life and adapted them to the customs and character of the people whom he spoke. And most of the parables were meant to instill in the masses the idea of the spiritual life their meaning often seems unintelligible only because they are not regarded from this point of view. So the point of view is the spiritual life. And that's something that when I first read the Bible, of course, being young, I was, I was more a concrete thinker, right, you know, immaterial. Uh, and that's why I didn't understand a lot of it. So in this particular parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven, where everything is joy and happiness, to a feast. In speaking of the first invitees, he makes an allusion to the Hebrews, whom God called first to this knowledge of the law. Those sent by the Master are the prophets who came to exhort them to follow the way of true happiness. But their words were listened to very little. Their warnings were scorned, and many were even massacred, like the servants in the parable. The invitees, who made excuses on the pretext of looking after their fields and their businesses, symbolized persons of the world who, absorbed by earthly matters, are indifferent towards heavenly matters. Among the Jews back then, it was a common belief that their nation was to achieve supremacy over all others. Had not God, in fact, promised Abraham that his progeny would cover the entire earth? However, as always, taking the form for the substance, they believed in actual material domination. Before the coming of Christ, and except for the Hebrews, all of the peoples were idolatrous and polytheistic, meaning they believed in many gods. If a few extraordinary individuals conceived the idea of divine oneness, this idea remained in the state of a personal theory and was in no way accepted as a fundamental truth, except by a few initiates who hid their knowledge under a veil of mystery impenetrable by the masses. The Hebrews were the first to publicly practice monotheism. It was, then, it was to them that God transmitted his divine law first through Moses and then through Jesus. From this tiny focal point began the light which was to spread over the entire world. So that's just one area within the gospel according to Spiritism. Now, what, what other information? Now, I'll read some more parables in, in a minute, but what other information was in, very vital information was in the gospel according to Spiritism? Well, in, in chapter 3, there's an explanation of the different worlds that spirits will inhabit during their long trek towards purification. And here's what it says, and it tells us a lot. And I use this a lot in my articles. 
And I probably don't restate it enough because then people say, well, we live in a world of atonement, what's next, a world of regeneration. But I don't explain that over and over again. I try to provide a link to it. So I don't want to repeat myself and make it boring for people who know. But this is really interesting. This is where you find this information in this book, The Gospel According to Spiritism. So there, here's are the levels of worlds as exposed to by spirits. Now, I do want to go off on one tangent here. So what the Catholic Church and other churches have always said from the New Testament says, you know, don't believe in whatever spirits, right? And they, they take this, you know, don't listen to demons and things like this. And one, and Alan Kardec, especially in his uh, book, The Medium's Book, told us to look out for that, right? He told us that there's many spirits who, who, who are lesser spirits, ignorant spirits, who like to come across as, oh, you know, I'm the spirit of Socrates, or I'm the spirit of the bishop of whatever. And they lie to you. And so, yes, we do have, spiritism is very careful about who they listen to. One has to be. And also, spiritism, when we have our spiritist gatherings, right? And then in a, in a typical spiritist gathering, there's a talk for a half hour, an hour. Uh, first, we have a prayer. Then we like read a passage from, from like the gospel of spiritism. Then we talk about an aspect of spiritism, what it means, um, you know, how to stand, how to make yourself better. And then we have a, a prayer afterwards. Now, there's also spiritist centers. There, there could be mediums meeting, right? And I've been at some. Uh, in in Rio, and I know there are there are also meetings meeting in the spiritist centers in the United States and England. Now you have to learn about spiritism first, right? So one of the things Alan Kardec said is when you you have to be educated yourself, and that a spirits spirits will come to pe- to mediums on around the same spiritual level. So for those who are a medium that is you know, some people are just natural mediums, and you know, I'm not a medium. Uh, some people are just natural mediums, and they don't. And but spirits will talk to them. But usually, there will be lower spirits. So the higher level of spirituality are the more you understand, say, spiritism, or just, or just you're a spiritual person, very kind and loving. You'll get the higher level spirits to come and tell you. And at these meetings, spirits will come and talk to and talk and will and will will bring messages. But in spiritism, the message is just like in the when Alan Kardec, they don't tell you, oh, you know, you're gonna, you know, at some day you're gonna meet this tall, dark, you know, handsome stranger or whatever, or where are the keys you lost. That's not, and this is where you, this is where Alan Kardec tells you you have to, you have to differentiate between who you talk to, it. and the other thing, spiritism uh, and spirits meetings are, and where the mediums meeting, they they meet in a same place, at the same time on the same night, let's say of every week. And that way, the spirits know that they meet there. They protect the area from from ill-intended spirits, immature spirits. So, yes, that is, I, I will always definitely say um, the Catholic Church is not incorrect in saying be careful. In fact, they say don't do it, but I don't agree with that part. But, it, yes, be very careful because uh, we are surrounded by different levels of spirits. So and that's what spiritism will do. And when I'm on a spirits uh, in a, in a, a medium's meeting, I don't sit at the table. I sit in the chair behind and I listen to what's going on. And um, you will uh, you will get usually very high level advice uh, from spirits. When I let's say when one meeting I was at, they're saying, 
Look, and it's it's funny. It's not like it's not like um, the advice. I don't I say it's hard to say this correctly. Make it sound like not too mean, but it's the advice a teacher would give you, like an eighth grade class. Like it is like, come on, students, you need to study harder. And that's almost exactly what um, uh, at the end of one of the meetings, one of the spirits talked and said, okay, everyone here, you're you're a member of the spirit system, but you're not studying enough, right? You need to you know you need to to read more and study more and you know live the doctrine more, and uh, and it was it was it was like oh. You know, this tells us we are in a classroom, and these are teachers that tell us, "Look, if you don't want to do this, you have to do better." It was it was uh, pretty amusing, and it's like, oh, oh my God, I got caught, right? I, I come here and I think I'm I think I'm blessed and wonderful, and then I go home and I you know and I drink or whatever, and and you know and I lose my temper, and oh, you know I, I think I better be the same character all the time. I think I I think I better be a a nice, more calm person, and um, but it's. It's pretty amusing. Now, also, I'll tell you about spiritism. I've never had anybody ask me for money uh, or any donations. The spirit senders themselves ask for a a monthly stipend. It is very inexpensive, I think. And when I was in Rio, I don't know what to ask for here. It's um, and so it, I've never had anybody. It's everyone's just the nicest people. So I just want to make sure everybody knows that. So look for your spirit center in the United States, England, France, Spain, whatever. They are spirit centers all around the world. Get to know them. And see what they're about. They're wonderful. Now, back to the doctrine. Uh, back to the gospel according to spiritism. What are the different levels of planets? Now, this all makes sense. Once you get, it, it's just that we are an immortal spirit, right? So if we're immortal and we start from this little spark of energy and we're just as dumb as a, you know, a block of wood, how are we educated as we go, right? So What's the first level? The first level is a primitive world. So it's in, it, this is what he says. It's intended for the first incarnations of the human soul. The beings that inhabit them are, to a certain extent, rudimentary. They have the human form, but are devoid of any beauty. I mean, it's internal beauty, too. Their instincts are not tempered by any sentiment of refinement or benevolence or by notions of right or wrong. Brute Force is the only law. With no industry or inventions, they spend life in the conquest of food. Think about that primitive spirit, right? How did they survive? They grabbed what they wanted. They took what they wanted. They didn't care. They didn't listen to their conscience, that thing that's given to us uh, on our birth, that set of divine laws that we all have, that we, as we mature, we learn to listen to with, without rationalizing away uh, when we don't want to listen to it, right? Which I have done for many, many years. Now, What's the next level? Well, the next level of the world is what we are on. Now, it's called, in the Gospel of Spirit, it calls it the world of trial and expiation. And a lot of spirits call it the, the plan of atonement, right? Where you atone for your past wrongs. Spiritism does not like to use the word sin, right? Because they don't recognize a lot of things that uh, other churches recognize. They don't recognize homosexuality as a sin at all. Um, that is something between, in fact, in the spirits book, they call they call that, you know, a, a marriage is between two spirits, and that spirits can be of either sex when they incarnate. So they, those are things they, they, you know, they don't label that. So it's wrong, right? And what's a wrong? Wrong is something you feel bad about. Wrong is something your conscience told you. Like, you know, you cheated, you know, you cheated that person out of $5 and change because, you know, you just had the opportunity. That, that's a wrong. And, you know, murdering people or whatever. There's, you know, there's many other types of wrongs, you know, being a dishonest politician, 
uh, you know, corrupt, uh, those type of things, cheating people out of money, as I said before, robbing. So those are, those are wrongs, are taking advantage of your boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, lying to them, uh, giving them, setting up expectations that they should not have had, right, and because you tried to fool them. Those are things that are wrongs, and those are things that you are being taken advantage of other people. Well, on this world of atonement, that's what he says. He says, um, you're, you're living on this world, right? There's more evil present than good, and now you know why life is not easy, because it's not supo- supposed to be why you are reincarnated on planet Earth. And this is what he says. This is the type of spirits that Alan Kardec said that are living on the planet of, of atonement. Spirits from primitive worlds, so they are on Earth for an education, a chance to develop themselves through contact with most more advanced spirits. Now think about it. Think about some of these people you see who are just criminals, who cannot control themselves, who uh, have no ability to withhold gratification for a moment. What do you think they are? Most likely, they are primitive spirits. They are primitive spirits. That's what they've been in past lives. That is what they are here. This is their first chance on a planet of atonement. They're here, and they, it's hard for them to control themselves. You can recognize that. Then there's semi-civilized spirits. These are spirits that are indigenous to Earth who have evolved little by little through through long centennial periods. So they've been here for hundreds, thousands of years, right? And they're learning as they go. That's probably me. Uh, spirits undergoing trials from other planets. So these spirits have already lived on other worlds from which they were banished because they persisted in evil. And because they were a cause of disturbance to the good inhabitants, they have been regulated to living for a time among less advanced spirits. And since they carry with them their developed intelligence and seed of acquired knowledge, they have the mission of helping them advance. This is why punny spirits are found in the midst of the most intelligent peoples. Having more sensitivity, the miseries of life are bitter to them because sufferings bruise them more deeply than they bruise the primitive people whose moral sense is more obtuse. And what we've seen, I've read in other spiritualist literature, is a lot of these people who they did wrong on these other planets are sent to Earth, but yet they had lived in a society of more equality, you know, more love, more kindness. Now, they chose to take advantage of that society, and then they were sent to Earth to learn, okay, yeah, don't do that. But a lot of these people were from, they, tend, they can tend to become either drug-dependent or alcoholics because the, the reality of the cruelty of, of earth life is too much. And one can understand that. I mean, if you come and you live in this wonderful, wonderful you know, village where everybody loved each other, and then you went to this big city where it was complete dog-eat-dog, and if you, know, you had to get food wherever you could, um, that, would be, that would be a horrific ordeal for you. You'd have to be very strong to resist that. And some of these people can't. And therefore, it tells you a lot of these people are very intelligent. They will, they, will, um, they will do that. They'll go down into drugs. The other things they will do is they will try and reform society to make it how they think it should be. Right? That, you know, where you, you know, they'll have a, 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 you know, like a communist dictator, right? Pol Pot. And who knows? 
was was he a, a spirit from another world who came and said, no, we should have everybody the same. But what did he do? He killed most of the people. He killed six million of his own people in Cambodia because he wanted perfect equality. But it all turned out bad, right? Because, of course, it turned out bad because the earth can't be like those advanced planets because we are all, most of us, are all are pretty imperfect spirits. That's why we're here because we're, you know, we have a lot to learn. So, now, what's, what? Is the next world, but this is where it gets extremely interesting. A regenerative world. So, what is a regenerative world? This is where I believe, because I have been, I've seen this in um, spiritist literature, and many spiritists say this, is we are now, in fact, it even says in the Gospel according to Spiritism, and by many uh, other uh, current spirit authors or, or late spirit authors, Chico Xavier. That we are beginning the transition to a regenerative world, and that uh, we actually started that transition upon the uh, when this uh, spiritist doctrine was codified by Alan Kardec. So, what that means is is that we are beginning, and it says in the Gospel according to Spiritism, we are beginning that transition, and that transition will gather speed and in fact when we have more mature more kind loving souls like over 50% then others will start coming along right because we are actually humans right or we like to be alike we, we, we like to conjugate and then when more and more humans are, are are nice and loving and fraternal and charitable others will naturally be like that now we're not there yet as Chico Xavier said about 30% of people will rise to heaven after they pass pass away so it means about 30% of the of the world is, is at a point uh, to where they could live on the planet of regeneration or 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 be you know be trained for that. I don't want to say say it wrong. So we need to get around at 50, 60 percent for for the, the momentum to really go. So this is what he says, Alan Kardec. Uh, I shouldn't say he says. This is what the spirits from different. Uh, Mediums in different geographical locations said about what a regenerative world is. It says, where souls still have something to expiate, pay off the debt of a past wrong, may absorb new strength by resting from the fatigue of struggle. They're still evil, but much reduced. The good outweighs the evil, consequently, no motive for hatred or discord. The foresight of their future, which is intuitive in the people of these worlds, and the sense of security resulting from a constant void of remorse. Cause them to look forward to death without fear. As simply being a process of transformation, the approach of which they perceive without the slightest uneasiness. A much better place. Now, in the doctrine, in the gospel according to spiritism, what is the next world? Well, happy worlds. This is where good outweighs evil. In happy world, we still retain our human form, although the senses are more acute. In fact, in the book of Louise, there is a pageant. I forgot which book. But they were telling how much of the human brain has not even been used. Of course, you hear that all, all the time, right? But really what the human brain is, is capable of in this more advanced world, when we become more spiritual, the telepathy and all sorts of and, and more... Uh, connection with the spirit world where you'll be almost in constant connection. You'll be going back and forth. The human brain is going to, is going to be something else. So, unhappy worlds, 
Where a girl, good outweighs the evil, unhappy words we still retain in human form, although the senses are more acute. The body changes, as described in the Gospel according to Spiritism. This is what he, this is what he says. The specific lightness of the body, specific, I need some water, excuse me a second. Lightness of the body enables rapid and easy locomotion. Instead of dragging itself laboriously over the ground, like, like me walking, it glides, so to speak, over the surface or sails through the air with no other effort than that of the will in the way in which angels are portrayed. So, with the, the improvement of our bodies in the years of infancy and adolescence are shorter, while the average lifespan is much longer than on Earth today. Politically, on such worlds, <coughs> relationships between nations are always friendly and are never disturbed by the ambition of dominating their neighbor, or by war, which is which is its consequence. There are no masters, slaves, or privileges of birth, only moral and intellectual ascendancy, which established, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, the differences of conditions to confer supremacy. So meritocracy is really the rule of a happy world, and that's the rule of the spirit world. You do not become in charge of anything until you deserve it right it's not like you're someone's brother or you bought something people who are in charge of the spirit world are humble and wonderful because they have earned that way and they've risen by being wonderful humble and very intelligent of course we all start off everyone has the same capacity to be as intelligent as anyone else in the spirit world here we have genetics right some of us like I will never be as intelligent as many many people it's just not it's just not possible with the structure of my brain. The spirit world, we can be whatever we want just by hard work. So authority is always respected for it's conferred only on those who have merit and is always exercised with justice. Wouldn't that be, is that a definition of happy world or what? Of course. Hatred, jealousies, and selfishness are not present. All feel a sense of fraternity and love. With a strong assist the weak, possessions are in keeping with a person's intelligence and no one lacks their basic needs for living. From here, the next transition is to a purified spirit who lives on a heavenly world. And a heavenly or divine, divine world is where good reigns completely. All inhabitants are purified spirits. There is no evil. So, I hope that gives you an idea of what you know, what's awaits us, right? And and if we can go through life following the edicts of the doctrine of spiritism and apply ourselves and, you know, we don't have to be meek, as I said, we don't have to be passive, we don't have to be pushovers, we don't have to be saints who live in the hut spiritism doesn't want us to be isolated from other people. We just have to be good people, calm and kind. Lend an ear. We don't have to give money to other people, you know, if we don't have it. And we still have to work. I think, I think you know, I think the spirit world wants most of us to be, to be, you know, to have to struggle. They didn't want us to be idly rich at all. Um, and we just have to, you know, maintain that balance between materialism and spirit and spiritism, spiritualism. Okay, let me go to another example. Here's another one. They talk about when Jesus said, "Let the dead bury the dead." Now, did that when you read that because. What? What is meant by that? Let the dead bury the dead. Well, again, 
Spiritism tells us what, what does that mean? Leave the dead to, to take care of the dead. So this is what he says. He goes, the preceding, this is what it says in the Gospel of Spiritism. The preceding considerations show that first, that under the circumstances in which they are spoken, they cannot express criticism against someone who regarded it a duty of filial devotion to go and bury his father. However, they entail a deeper meaning that can only be understood with a more complete knowledge of the spirit life. Life in the spirit world is, in fact, the true life. So, I want to emphasize this point. We're on earth as a learning. It's like, it's like we were sent to elementary school for a year, and then we come back to mom and dad, right? Let's say to boarding school. We come back to mom and dad. Our true life is with mom and dad. Boarding school, a year of school that we went away, or a camp, let's say, maybe that's a, a better apt example, it was just a temporary place for us to learn, right? Maybe we went to summer camp, learn how to canoe, archery, right? Paint. Same here on earth. Our true life, as I said, the gospel, the spiritism, is the spirit life. We are immortal souls. We live forever. Everyone here who's listening to me or even not listening to me, they will see the sun burn out. They will see the earth go dark. They will see the earth stop rotating. We'll go somewhere else. So, hence, life on earth is but a moment, right? It's like you're sent to summer camp. Do you remember when you sent to summer camp? How long ago that was? It seemed like, you know, now that you're in your 40s or 50s, it seemed like it lasted a second. That's what your life on earth will feel like, less than a second. So, so life is only transitory in passing. It is the sort of death when compared to the splendor and activity of the spirit life. The body is nothing more than a coarse garment that temporarily cloaks the spirit, a true fetter that holds it imprisoned to the earth and from which it is happy to be delivered. The respect one has for the dead is not bound to the physical matter of the body, but to the remembrance of the absent spirit. It is analogous to that which we have for the objects that belong to the deceased and were touched by him or her, which are kept as remembrances. This is what the man could understand by himself. Jesus teaches by starting, do not worry about the body, but think first of the spirit. Go and teach the kingdom of God. Go and tell others that your homeland is not the earth, but in heaven, where true life is only found there. Now, there's something else that was revealed to us even later. Is in, in fact, you read a lot about this in the books by Andre Louise, a spirit who... Uh, who uh, uh, dictated to Sugar uh, Xavier as he psychographed the books. And the whole series of Andre Luis books is marvelous. In fact, the first book, and what I recommend everyone to uh, to read, and I'll write this on the screen, No Solar. And No Solar was his first book. Andre Luis was a doctor who died. He went to the lower zone. And it took him a while because and he's trying to rescue him to a celestial city, Nosolar, which is above Rio de Janeiro, means, uh, means our home in Portuguese. But his series of books, uh, and I forgot how many, I think 13 or 14, is all about him learning how the spirit world helps us. In, 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 the, uh, in the books, they'll say about how when a person passes away, that the spirits will gather around that body. It depends on the level of that of that person that's passing away and what they've done in life. Let's say a, a, a nice person that's always been kind to others. 
they'll have spirits helping that person out of their body. It's like it's like birth in in reverse, right? In birth, you you were the spirit that that went to you know went into these tiny cells into as the egg was fertilized, and in in death, your your um, your spirit withdraws from the physical body, and as as we are told. In the spirits book, we are composed of three parts: with the spirit, which is the, we're always around, which is the intelligence, our personality; the paraspirit, which connects our spirit to our physical body and our physical body. And the, what will happen is people will gather around, and they will help this paraspirit release from the body at the time it's desired, right? Because our lives are predetermined. They'll release from the from the body, and then the body will go will go decay. But then you are now out of that, right? So you you've been reborn. You've been you're you're back to where you came from. You're back to the spirit world, and you're tired afterwards, but you recover. Depending on you know on on your level, you 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 can recover fast uh, or not. Also, I will say, No Solar is also a movie. It is in Portuguese. It ha- but it has English subtitles. It is a one. It has a Great. I don't know if you know the uh, Philip Glass has a wonderful Philip Glass score. I would recommend it to anyone. You can find it on uh, on Amazon. Uh, the book, also called No Solar, I would recommend reading or um, or the movie too. It, it, you cannot beat uh, that movie. It's, it, my wife and I we look we watch about once a year. It, it's it just makes you feel good. It makes you uh, understand the spirit world, and I would recommend that to everybody. Now. Let's keep on with the gospel according to Spiritism. So, another one says, it says, the effectiveness of prayer. This is on page 386 of, of this edition. Whatever you may ask for in prayer, believe you receive it, and it will be granted to you. Now, this is uh, Matthew 11 to 24. Now, that doesn't really happen, does it? Right. When we think about that, it's like, well, if I pray for someone, I don't get it. You know, I, I want a new car. Where's my new car? It doesn't happen like that. So you may get it, but it may give, be given to you in ways you don't know. And it may be given to you in in the next life or the life after that. Right? There's all sorts of things. So this is what it says. There are persons who contest the effectiveness of prayer, and they base their argument on the principle that if God knows our needs, it is superfluous to state them. They add further that since everything in the universe is linked together by eternal laws, our desires cannot change God's decrees. Without doubt, there are natural and immutable laws which God cannot derogate according to one's caprice. There is great distance, however, from believing this, and believing that all life circumstances are subject to fatalism. If such were the cause, humans would only be a passive instrument with no free will or initiative. Of course, we have free will. Our destiny on this planet of atonement may be pretty well laid out, but we still have the choices to be made within those episodes we have to live through. Under, so I'll continue reading. Under such a hypothesis, there would be no other recourse than to bend one's head under the blow of every event without seeking to avoid it. No effort would be made to try to avert danger. God has not given humans discernment and intelligence to go unused. He will not to be exercised in desiring things or activities remain inactive. Since humans are free to act in one way or another, their actions have for them and for others consequences depending on what they fail to do or to do. 
Through their initiative, therefore, there are, are events that inevitably escape federalism and in which do not destroy the harmony of universal laws, just as the quicker or slower pace of the pendulum does not destroy the law of movement upon the mechanism that is built. Hence, God can accede to certain requests without derogating them from the immutability of the laws that govern the whole, although granting them is always the subject of God's will. And, sometimes, they are granted in ways you cannot conceive of. There's, there's a great uh, story of uh, near-death experience about a woman who was living a really good life. She was making good money, She and she knows she had a nice husband. She... Her husband was the envy of the other women uh, in the office, but she was bored. She was bored with him, and she said, God, please please give me a better life. Well, how was her prayer answered? She was in a terrible auto accident. She suffered back pain. You cannot believe. She, was, she, she could not go to work. She lost her job. She was on pain medication. She, horrible. And then she says, oh, God, this is even worse. I demand you make my life better. This is, I'm giving you one last chance. So then she, she went with her husband to a restaurant, right? She felt weird that night. She drank to excess. She felt some sort of energy about it. And then she drank way too much. She drove home. She got out of the car and her husband said, Look, you, you drank too much. Let me help you to, to the bedroom. Said, no, no. You know, you know how, how trunks are. I didn't want any help. Of course, she got out of the car, fell, hit her head, took her to the hospital. Then things changed. Somehow, something opened up in her. And she felt to be like this empath to the nth power. She could feel the emotions of other people. And people were drawn to her to talk about their problems, their outlook, their emotions. And she felt this connection with everybody. And then, she, and then this was like her near-death experience, right, where she felt this connection. And then as she writes, well, you know, God did make my life better, right? He did. It, but the way he did it, sure wasn't apparent at first, right? She's much happier. She now knows that you know, I'm so lucky to have such a wonderful husband. And she feels so much better. She understands the connectedness of everyone. And this is how prayers are answered. Now, on the opposite side, if you have a prayer that's against someone, that, that will that that's really a mark against you. That prayer will not be answered, right? Um, I was at a mediums meeting. And... And it says that one of the meetings where they were trying to help spirits that were locked in the lower zone. And in this meeting, this the uh, uh, a trance meeting medium was channeling this woman, and she said Zika, Zika, Zika. And and then the consoling meeting came over and said, "What's wrong?" Because because I think I died from Zika, with the, the, the Zika virus. And she goes, "I can't, I can't believe I died from Zika." She goes. I, I prayed and I wished. I wanted this I wanted this other woman to die from Zika. Because I wanted her. I kept praying that she would die from Zika. Can you believe that? This is a, a person in the spirit world who is still holding on to their revenge. And the, the complaint means, well, 
you know, love here. You know, you 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 don't really want that to happen. He goes, yes, I do. I want that other woman to still die, and I hope she gets Zika. But so, how was her prayer answered? She was. She died from Zika. She is now in the lower zone. It may take her years, tens, hundreds of years. I don't know. Hopefully, not long. To understand that wishing ill upon someone is not the right thing to do. So in essence, her prayer too was answered. It was not answered in the way she wanted it answered. It was answered in the way to make her a better person. And this is what this is what Spiritism tells us, right? The Spiritism explains all this to us. And this is why this book it's such a wonderful book. It just got, it has, you know, so many different things. The things I haven't got, workers of the last hour, what does that mean, right? Kind of like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter when you come to the spirit world, it's all good, right? It doesn't matter how late you came to it. Like at my age, really late, right? I've lived a, who knows, not a good life, not a, you know, I haven't been a good person for many, many years, but as long as you get there, now, I'll, I'm sure I'm going to have things to, to pay for uh, in, in future lives. Well, you know, without a doubt. But it doesn't matter because, you know, you'll be accepted in there. You will learn. You'll learn these lessons. And that, that's, that's what counts. This is why Spiritism is such a wonderful doctrine. So I'd like to have everyone, again, just write this down at the end. So you know is my blog is nwspiritism.com. And in it, I have many articles. And I have, uh, as I said before, on that top right-hand navigation, uh, it's a picture of Alan Kardec. That will take you to the bookstore. You can also find all of Alan Kardec, all of Chico Xavier's books on Amazon.com, of course. Are, um, you probably have to, uh, I've not seen hardly any spiritist books in uh, no bookstores in the United States. So you probably have to ask for them if you want to use your, your regular bookstore, which I, of course, urge everybody to do to help help those great small businesses uh, stay in business. But also, I have written books about um, uh, the case for reincarnation, right? And what I've done is I've taken taken books from Alan Kardec, Chico Xavier, Yvonne Pereira, and I've accumulated in that information about, okay, why do we reincarnate? Oh, and also, you know, gospel according to spiritism. How does it work? How do we choose our own bodies? How do we choose our own trials and tribulations we go through? I've also written a book, uh, Explore Your Destiny, which, you know, explains about the, you know, heaven, right, at the different the different levels of worlds, uh, the lower zone, where we all are, the lower zone, as Chico Xavier says, starts at the tip of our nose and goes all the way up to the first level of heaven, and then the dark abyss, which is even below the low, uh, the lower zone. And then I've written books like The Seven Tenets of Spiritism, How They Impact Your Daily Life, which is really a lot about how, how I found that once I started to open my eyes and reading the books of Alan Kardec and understanding that, how I found is that there's more, more signs and signals of the spirits around us, spirits helping us, than you would originally believe. And I would encourage everybody to think about that. And then, you know, and of course, as Joanna D'Angelo says in a lot of the books by uh, Devalbo Franco, is sit and meditate for a while every day. You know, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, right? 15 minutes, half hour, whatever. 
Meditate at the same time. Make a pattern. Meditate and just think and just free your mind. You'll start getting insights. It may not won't happen at first, but but this is what there are. There are many signs and signals. You'll learn once you understand spiritism. You'll learn what is being told to you. And a lot of this was also discovered by Carl Jung when he called, when he coined the term synchronicity. Right? Things will happen. Like like if something's meant to be, all of a sudden, that you all oh, we need to go there. All of a sudden, the reservation came. Everything just put into place. That's it wasn't meant to be, right? If some things aren't meant to be, it's like every time you try to do something, it just didn't work. Something happens. Now you have to you have to worry about being too passive and not you know trying for something enough. But you'll learn to to see these signs and signals. This is what spiritism brings you. And it brings you closer to the spirit world. It brings you closer to the supreme intelligence. You know, if you don't want to call call it God, you can call it the supreme intelligence. You can call it the universal cloud. You can call whatever you want. But it, above us, there is something more than just us. There are so many experiences, right? And I understand all people say, oh, but you can't prove this. Yes, you're right. I have no proof. I I came into spiritism because I was told certain things. My wife told me certain things that she was told like 15 years before we met that would happen, that happened. Now, how could that be? That's what got me on on the quest with it. Mean, how could we live in a predetermined world? I never believed we lived in a predetermined world before. Now I know we do. It changes your whole outlook. We live in a much more complex world than what our, what we know technologically at this moment. And spiritism doesn't want you to read these books and say, oh, I believe right now. It wants you to rationally think about it and create your own foundation of what you have seen and heard and believed. It, 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 spiritism doesn't want anybody just to believe because I told you or someone else told you or some book told you. They want you to believe in the spirit world because of what you have seen, of what some weird experiences you had, what your aunt related story, your uncle related story, and, and you think, how can that be? I trust these people. They're not crazy. That's, they, they want you to and, you know, see how the universe is put together and the beauty of all of God's creations. That's what they want you to see. That's how they want you to be. So, I want to thank everybody for being uh, with my program tonight and uh, Thank you so much for listening to me. I, I appreciate it greatly. And I will put on uh, I'll put on the end credits right now. I would like to thank everyone like to thank for listening everyone. to our program on Cardac Radio. And to point you in the direction to find more information about the spirit world around us. You can visit my blog at www.nwspiritism.com. Again, that is www.nw, as in Northwest, spiritism.com. And if you are ever in the Northwest, I certainly would welcome to have you come to our meeting on Bainbridge Island near Seattle in the state of Washington. Many blessings to all of you, and please continue to explore spiritism and the spirit world around us.